0: Scuba, go,
1: go, go. the podcast for the inquisitive diver okay um scuba iq now uh, um we've not had many people on from up Cairns yet we've had um libby's been on libby sterling mm-hmm. um but um you guys are, are much more focused on the um almost like a white glove experience isn't it
0: um yeah i guess you know existing in a world that you know, for a number of decades now up here has been very much about, you know, larger volume sort of operations. But you know, it's um I guess we're we're trying to slot into that, that narrow little niche where, you know, you could have somebody who, you know, maybe wants to get a slightly more personalized experience out on the reef, you know, even though we do use, you know, some of the, the bigger boats anyway. You know, we use those space, comfort, access to the reef, uh, that sort of thing. But, you know, what they're actually wanting, you know, is, is that opportunity to draw on perhaps my experience or, you know, that of the other instructors that I use from time to time as well. So, you know, we're, you know, we're not, you know, we're not for everyone. You know, if you're looking for sort of an overall kind of experience, you know, all of the operators up here, I think are quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I say, we're just trying to, you know, Take advantage of that
1: very narrow band of of the uh, the market. Yeah, so uh, more focused on people that want specific kind of uh, experiences. Um, yeah, yeah, not large, not large boats with lots of divers. No. Yeah. So what, where did it all start? I mean, uh, let's have a bit of background on you, actually, Martin. Um, we obviously go to the same hairdresser, um, but where, where do you originate? <laughs> not very <from>? often. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, not very often. Um, Well, uh, I'm originally from New Zealand, Uh, like a lot of the dive instructors who find their way up here. Um, But, uh, yeah, grew up in New Zealand, British parents, actually British-born, but, you know, moved to New Zealand when I was uh, very, very young. Um, Joined the military in the uh, sort of towards the late 90s, uh, the Navy, Um, and not through being in the Navy, as such but because of a a friend that i made who was also in the navy with me you know i got introduced to scuba diving as you know just sort of a recreation and a a little hobby um and it was just a thing i did for fun normally just with him we'd go away for a weekend or whatever Mm. um and then after a few years of of serving in the navy and i left um took a bit of time off and was wondering about you know what what i might like to do and uh you know i thought well you know, scuba diving was something that maybe I'd, you know, considered to take up as a career. And uh, so I became a dive instructor in the early 2000s and uh, worked in New Zealand for a time, uh, came over to the Great Barrier Reef in my early 20s, spent some time working here and then um, left Australia and spent eight years working in the Mediterranean. Okay. Uh, primarily Spain. So I, I lived in Spain for a total of about six and a half, nearly seven years. Um and uh, and then finally made the pilgrimage to uh, to Thailand, hey. Southeast Asia, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and that was um, that was something that was you know was really really different to the experience that I'd had while being in the Mediterranean. You know, it was um, it was like a, a parallel scuba diving universe, mm. and um, so I ended up being there for a few years. You know, that was where I met uh, met Lou. We stayed for a couple more years, and then. Uh, about now uh, seven, seven and a half years ago, uh, we ended up back here in Far North Queensland, and uh, and here we are.
1: Yeah. So where, whereabouts in um, whereabouts in Thailand were you?
0: Uh, over on the west coast, PP.
1: Yeah. So I, I never um, I never worked on PP. I was um, based out of oh. Kowalak when I was on the west coast, just covering the Similans and Surinites. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an amazing place, isn't it? I love Thailand. I love the Thai people. Oh.
0: Yeah. It's um, it, one of those ones, I guess, you know, there's a, an instructor that works with us here as well. And he was in Thailand on Kotel for quite a long time at, uh, at Port view. Mm-hmm. Um, he was sort of part of the team with, uh, you know, teaching the IDCs and uh, you know, we sort of, you know, often reminisce as you find most instructors that have spent some time working in Thailand do, you know, life is so simple there, you know, it's, you go to, you go to work you do some diving and then you go and socialize you know and that's that's pretty much it and, and almost everything you do on a daily basis is is just fun it you is you know there's there's nothing that kind of bogs you down or anything like that you know the the biggest nuisance at that time was uh, having to make a visa run every 3 months but so that was about <laughs> the extent of it yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah you
1: you getting know, packed onto a minibus
0: yeah you know it was a fantastic fantastic
1: period in my career mm, yeah. yeah i think so, there's a there, there's a lot of people a lot of long-term people in the industry that have uh, worked in thailand at some sort of point in their career i think it's a good thing mm, you know we've yeah. all got that um, that link through scuba diving but then to have the mm. the experience of thailand as well as a bit of a link it's um it's, it's a nice little added bonus yeah yeah, yeah.
0: totally and, and uh, so you carry
1: on i was gonna say how did it compare to to spain
0: well, um, Mediterranean, you know, and look, I was there for you know quite a long time, and and that wasn't just because I didn't have any other any other choice, but you know I wanted to be there, mm. um, and I guess in a way, like Thailand, you know, you have a, a, a fantastic lifestyle out of the water, um, you know having an appreciation that the diving is not going to be, you know, like you can have in Southeast Asia and, you know, Caribbean, many other parts of the world. But it was quite a, a conscious decision that took me to the Mediterranean in the first place. Um, and most of that came out of the fact that, you know, when I became an instructor, you know, I was still fairly young, early 20s. Mm-hmm. And and at that time, on the uh, on the PADI website, on the job board, you know, a job would get advertised and then you could see every single person that had replied, it would get pasted underneath. Okay. And so you you could get a, a bit of a heads up as to what you're up against. Yeah. And so you were looking at a lot of the good jobs around the world, you know, and you've got, you know, some Italian guy who's been an instructor for 10 years, speaks four or five languages, you know, outboard, you know, outboard license, all that sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, so rather than getting disheartened, I thought, okay, well, it looks like, you know the big thing apart from experience, of course, is one languages. Mm. So I thought good place to learn languages, especially European ones, would be Europe. <laughs> so, so I, so I, uh, so I, you know, I left the Great Barrier Reef and uh, and got to Europe and thought, okay, well, let's focus on one to start with. And uh, and I was in London at the time visiting my sister, and uh, and I said, right, I'm, I'm ready to leave the UK. I've been here long enough. It's Time to go back to diving,
1: mm.
0: and uh, I went on the Ryanair website, looked for the cheapest flight, and it was to Valencia. Uh, it left the next morning at about six in the morning, it was about <laughs> you yeah, know two pounds 99 special or something. And uh, and I, I bought that flight and ended up in Spain for yeah, for a number of years. And so, you know, built my language skills, yeah. And that was even though I'd been teaching in other places before that for a couple of years. Um, you know, over time, I certainly realised that the time I spent in Mediterranean is where I, I really cut my teeth as an instructor, and and not just as an instructor, but you know, laid the foundation for me to have what I think so far is quite a lengthy dive career.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good on you! Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned the um, the, the dive jobs boards, um, and I, I keep meaning to do a post about it because all I see in in social media at the moment. Is job after job after job after job. And there's all the rare ones are coming up. Wackatobe, Turks and Caicos. Yeah. Like, bloody hell, people. If you're, you know, if you really want to get into the dive industry, now is the time to do it. Even if you've got no yeah. experience as a, a DM, a dive master or instructor, you can gain that experience, but you're going to mm-hmm. gain that experience at a much higher level location than what was ever possible in over the last mm-hmm. 20, 25 years. Yeah. There's so many people have left the industry now that have had that experience and have been forced back into other industries. That it's um, it's such a wide open industry at the moment, and it's it's a mm. prime opportunity for for fresh blood to come through.
0: Yeah, I mean it was um, yeah, quite interesting listening to some of your other you know conversations you have had over the past few months. There was um, what was his name? Steve Crosby. Oh yeah, that you spoke to in Mex- Mexico. Yeah, you know so. You know, him talking about what, you know, he's he's been through there and, and how things are looking moving forward. And then, you know, further back, there was uh, Marcel Vandenberg and, uh, and Kotao who was talking about that this could be the real, you know, the time to strike when mm-hmm. it comes to getting into the industry. You know, it's, yeah, like you say, you know, it's these 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 rare jobs that never come up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, when I first came and worked out of Cairns, You know, I'd been an instructor in New Zealand for a couple of years, you know, and taught ice diving, you know. (laughs) It sort of felt fairly well equipped. And I got to Cairns and the best that I could get was uh was Dive Deck, you know, it was snorkel guiding and signing people in now the water and they were like, You gotta you've gotta prove yourself here first for a while before we're gonna let you take paying customers, you know. And but you didn't I don't know, you, you didn't roll your eyes or anything, you just accepted that well there's You know, they found that this is something that works up here, and maybe they've been let down in the past, and Mm -hmm. you're just going to play that game.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure those routines will stay because I I couldn't imagine employing anyone without, you know, giving them a probationary period and Mm. making sure that they don't mind getting their hands dirty. However, um, you know, having the much wider spectrum of possibilities now is just immense. And I I can't see it changing for another two, three, four years. I mean, there's people crying out there experience and sure enough i mean the operators bless them they're going to have to make do with people that don't have all that experience of four languages compressor rebuild engineer coxwain 95 specialty instructor <laughs> <laughs> um it's going to have to reduce but they're going to be able to mold the future of diving i think yeah um so it's it's a good thing um and I just hope that the kids that are out there are listening and, and eager to get on board do actually, yeah. you know, take the take the jump, do it. Uh, they're going to be much better off. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know, and, and I think with that, you know, we – I mean, again, I mean, I guess because it's easier for me to compare to, I, you know, where I started out that it was a lot more about, you know, having good experience, you know, and the fact that I'd been an engineer in the Navy so I had, you know – the ability to, you know, repair outboard motors and, mm. you know, and various other mechanical things, you know, rebuild compressors. Um, and so, you know, those things came in handy for me. But, you know, you, you certainly see now probably over the last sort of five or six years especially that, you know, a lot more employers will be looking for things like, okay, well, you're a dive instructor, but, oh, I see you're also – you know you've set up your own little business doing social media marketing and yeah. oh you can build websites and you know all of these other things that that would drive a business
1: yeah yeah and that's a that's a huge one I mean I think um, um, I, I used to work in Papua New Guinea at two fear Resort and um, it's it's a bit limited on connectivity while you're there and it's a bit difficult to do the social media but I see the managers at the moment are trying to post regularly however, it's a photo and a little bit of a comment. It's not up to speed with what you see all singing, all dancing that, you know, um, kids that know how to use a phone can do in 35, 40 seconds. It's insane. So that's a huge advantage just being able to, you know, assist with the marketing and leave the management to uh, get on with the daily job.
0: Yeah. yeah. um, And I guess, you know, one of the things that stands out for me is that, you know, it's probably, uh, three or four years ago, I had a, a young guy, probably early 30s. Uh, he was from France, I think. And and he sent through a CV, uh, you know, just cold calling. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he was relatively inexperienced, but it was like he was really trying to sort of pad out his experience as an instructor. But if you look at the rest of his CV, you know, he'd worked at a marketing company in Paris for 10 years. Mm-hmm. He had a master's degree in marketing and advertising. He had an MBA And, uh, I just messaged them back and said, Hey, look, there's no opportunities with us, but hey, don't set yourself short here. You know, it's great that you're a dive instructor, but don't be afraid to put, you know, more focus and attention on to these other things that you've done. You know, you're,
1: Mm.
0: you know, you're employed at one place for 10 years. That seems quite a lot. You've got these fantastic skills, you know, experience with, you know, marketing, advertising that highly desirable for a lot of companies out there. So you know, maybe use that as your your sort of Trojan horse as such.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure, especially to help out people of our age and <laughs> further down. The, I, I've got no fucking clue about it, to be honest. I, I put a <laughs> photo up, put some comments and a, a bit of a hashtag and hope that it does the job. And then I'm happy if it's yeah. got over 10 likes, or, you know, blue blue thumbs up. <laughs> happy days. <laughs> Tell your mum comments
0: on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's,
1: it's usually my dad, actually. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Hey, hey um, so, yeah. one, th- one thing I wanted to um, talk about is the Minkies, the yeah. website. The Minkies are coming. Are they there yet?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, so about two weeks ago, there was one of the the boats that works out of Port Douglas, not one of the sort of scheduled tour operators, mm. um, one of the super yachts. They were on a trip out, and uh, and they, they saw a few Minkies out there. So... You'd probably say normally, you know, being two weeks ago, so what's that sort of early to mid-May? That that would be really early, yeah. Um, but I mean, whatever. Basically, they're they're coming or they're here. So yeah, it's uh, it's looking good. Um, I'm actually going to be going on on a total of four Mickey trips this year. Mm-hmm. There's there's one that's my own, uh, which is the one at the end of June, and then there's uh, there are three other trips that are being done on the same boat that we're using. Uh, there's one that goes the week before mine. There's another one that goes a few days later from when we get back. And then there's another one in mid July as well. So Mm. yeah, hopefully we get, we get some pretty solid Minky action. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's such an amazing thing, you know, that, and that they let you, well, not just let you swim with them, but the fact that, you know, you jump in the water and they come to you. It's, uh. So how's how's it all work?
1: I mean, so you imagine people that are listening to this will mm. we'll not have a clue of how the operations work in cairns and what it involves jumping in the water with, with whales um, yeah how, how, what's a you know a kind of routine that you go through
0: so for for what we're doing and you know what uh, some of the other operators who who actually change their schedules through this time of year um, do is well the first thing is you've got to have a permit
1: mm-hmm. to
0: to be allowed to swim with them Um and the linchpin is that the minke whales are pretty predictable and there's a spot that's up uh, up towards Lizard Island uh, on the ribbon reefs and pretty much without fail year after year on their migration, they go and hang out there for quite a while, um, you know, two, three weeks. Um, you know, some interactions, there might just be two or three and it might only last, you know, five, ten minutes. Um, but over the years, you know, you can have sort of 18... 20 whales at once, and they stick with you for seven or eight hours. Bloody hell. Um, you know, so you get up there. So we, on the trip we're doing, we leave in the evening. You know, it's a 15-, 16-hour uh, cruise uh, up to that spot. So you basically wake up on the ribbons and uh, you pull up at this spot. You throw a couple of ropes in because mm. um, that's one of the, uh, the conditions for being able to swim with them. There's a there's a code of conduct in place for swimming with minke whales um everyone gets in my sock fence holds onto the rope and you just sit there and wait and the minkies come in and <laughs> hang out
1: oh, so they they actually come to you then you don't have to go kind of looking for them
0: you uh look you can you can certainly look for them um but there are you know there are conditions on that that you know let's say that you know, there's another boat that's two miles away if, and, you know, or let's say two miles behind you, you've gone past and they call you on the radio and say, have you got minkies back here? Mm. You're not really allowed to turn the boat around and go back to them. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you're not supposed to sort of alter your course as such, you know, to go and find them or, or anything else. Um, so... You know, we'll sort of we aim for these areas. You know, like I say, up on the northern end of the Ribbon Reefs, uh, where we sort of expect that they're going to be. And uh, you sort of pull up and you know, you have to wait. Sometimes you don't have to wait. You know, if they're not really showing much interest or you haven't found any, you know, we've got a lot of dive sites nearby. So we might say to everyone, Hey, look, let's take a couple of hours out. We have a bit of morning tea. We'll cruise over to dive site X. We'll go and do a dive over there, mm-hmm. and uh, and we'll, we'll take it from there, you know. So, you know, you're still trying to maximise, you know, the time that you're spending in that really amazing area, you know. Mm. But the, the primary focus being that, you know, you, you're trying to swim with these whales.
1: And is it um, – what's the attraction? Are they just very, very um, curious?
0: Yeah, I mean – I mean, realistically, they're like big dolphins. Um, so um, – they'll be very curious. They can have, or they'll display quite a lot of varied behavior. So they're, they're quite interactive in that way as well. They don't just sort of swim around and around and around and around in circles, mm. you know, they'll, they'll come up and they'll spy hop, you know, they we, we look around on the surface, <laughs> uh, you know, they'll, they'll roll, yeah, they'll roll over onto their back and they'll swim around belly up at the surface. Um, you know, they'll come up, clap their mouth, you know, there's, there are all these different things that you might get the chance to see. And, and you never get bored of, of watching it because you kind of don't know what they're going to do next. And, and you'll sort of see how, you know, over time spent in the water, you'll see them, you know, gradually come closer and closer. And I mean, they'll, you know, they'll sort of, you going to cruise past you and then they'll literally just slow down and eyeball you <laughs> and just cruise right past in front of you. And, you know, other times I've come up in front of you and you've, you know, you've sort of got to swim back and out of the way to avoid them. It's, yeah, yeah, it's. It, it's spectacular.
1: And is it, is it usually um, – does it matter the kind of age of the minkies, whether it's the adults? I, mean, I know with humpbacks that the calves get quite curious more so than the, the mums. Yeah. Um, is it similar with the minkies or is it um, not really, I think? Yeah, look, you
0: um, – yeah, uh, it's, it's – you can never really know. Hmm. I'd probably say, you know, I haven't seen – as many calves or haven't had as many close interactions with calves over the years. Yeah. Um, Because, I mean, not just on these trips, but, you know, as they come through these areas, um, you know, the reefs off of Port Douglas or Cairns, you know, they can be up there as well for a couple of days. So, you know, on one of the day trips, you might get the chance to swim with them. Um, When that happens, it it is usually just the odd one or two. Yeah. Um, But uh, but these trips, you know, the – that get run up to the ribbon reefs. This is for the the really sort of, I guess, the more kind of dense dense interactions with you know greater numbers and for longer periods of time. Yeah, how big do they get? Uh, they reckon the biggest, yeah, about eight to nine meters, uh-huh. but they sort of top out about about eight. Yeah, they're, <laughs> um, yeah, they're, they're quite yeah small for a whale.
1: Yeah, uh, but- the second
0: small, yeah, the second smallest species of baleen whale so
1: it's it's small for a whale but it's it's still a monstrous (laughs) size, isn't it jesus
0: yeah but uh but no it's awesome
1: and that's um that's you say that's um what was the boat again is that the same boat that you use for the um the diving liverboards
0: yeah so argo
1: Mm. let's talk about argo it looks very sexy
0: yeah very cool boat um Look, Argo was a boat that was, uh, it was here in Port Douglas for a while, mm-hmm. um, and then changed ownership. And uh, and that's now based, you know, just down the road in Yorkie's Knob, uh, which is, you know, northern end of Cairns. Okay. Um, so that lives down there. And uh, look, the boat uh, overall, yeah, about, uh, I think, 24, 25 meters, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but really nicely set up at the back, you know, where you where you gear up for diving, it's, it's right on the duckboard, so you gear up, stand up, and then basically do a one hundred and eighty degree turn and then step off the back. Yeah, um, you know, so super easy in that regard. Um, inside, it's it's really large. The cabins are nice. Uh, there's a couple of ensuite rooms. All of the cabins are quite large, actually, um, and that's you know, of course, means that you know, guest numbers are quite low. So you know, we only take twelve people on these on these trips. You know, so oh, it's, that's nice. Again, it's still in keeping with, you know, with the ethos that we had with Scuba IQ. You know, we didn't want to change our philosophy, you know, sacrifice what's worked for us. So still small. It's fully guided. um, You know, it's, yeah, trying to be a bit more intimate and and have that time with the guests as well out of the water.
1: Yeah. Now, forgive me if I'm wrong, but is this the boat that Sylvia used a few years back? Sylvia Earl. Does she not use it going up into... Some of the
0: I, oh, I'm not sure. I
1: let me do a little Google. I think
0: you Sylvia Earle might have been on a boat called Beluga. I'm not sure, hmm. but uh, oh, yeah. As soon as I Google
1: there. it, the first thing that comes up is a cruise ship. <laughs> 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 it's definitely not that one. <laughs> no, hmm. no.
0: But um, but it, it's really cool because uh, you know, the boat um. I mean, outside of what we do, it's quite busy anyway. It does a lot of, um, you know, research expeditions, um, you know, support um, for marine biologists. You know, they do trips for uh, the turtle nesting up at the very top at Rain Island. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they go and help out at the weather station at Willis Island, you know, ferrying the um, the attendants back and forth when they change over. Um, you know, they do all sorts So. You know, when we approached them about what we wanted to do, you know, there was, you know, it wasn't really any territory that they hadn't covered before. Yeah. Um, And the big one as well with that boat, um, which is really important, is, you know, not just the permit to operate, but um, there's another organisation up here that um, there are quite a few companies that are members and even some individuals and, you know, formed a number of years ago and they basically, you know, set themselves up so that, they could have this network of shared moorings, uh, particularly on the Ribbon Reefs, Mm -hmm. and, you know, you could become a member of that group and then that meant that, you know, you would have access to these, you know, amazing dive sites like the Cothole and Steve's Bommy and, you know, many of these other dive sites. And, And, you know, and without, you know, being a member of that group or having that permit, you know, you can plan those trips, but then it becomes logistically a bit more complicated. You know, you're going to be anchoring quite a lot, which, you know, you don't really want to be doing. Um, or you could be on a dive site and if another member of this organisation shows up, they can, you know, ask you to leave and, you, you know, you've got no recourse. So, you know, it's it, it's a really good organisation that's in place to try and, you know, make sure that not only do we have these amazing places to dive but that they're being looked after and, you know, the right sort of vessels are using them and we're able to get people out to see these places.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so everything's – um what's the word? How's it all regulated up there then? Do you, I know, I'm just thinking back to the simulans that the captains would t- talk to each other to make sure that they're not on the same dive sites. Yeah, All the, the boats at once. And I'm assuming the similar kind of thing occurs up there. Is it, is it much more restricted than that?
0: So with, uh, with these sites, so specifically these ones on the ribbon reefs, mm. um, the organisation, I mean, it's not huge. Um, I think it's only got about 14 or 15 members. I'm not entirely sure. Mm. But you've got uh, basically two tiers. You've got, you know, a few of the long-term players in the top tier and, you know, they get first refusal
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and then everyone else kind of, you know, slots in wherever. Yeah. So it's all it's all pretty easy. The captains, you know, the people involved, you know, they they, they generally know each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, for example, I mean, when we did our trip to the Ribbon Reefs, um, yeah, well, it's about six weeks ago now, you know, we um, we got Steve's Bommie first thing in the morning. We were planning to make two dives. The Spirit of Freedom were in the area. They saw we're on Steve's Bommie and they just radios and said, hey, guys, just so you know, um, you know, we've booked Steve's Bommie from midday onwards. Okay. We're like, yep, no worries. We're going to do two dives and we'll leave. You know, and so... You know, from there, you then sort of, you know, you are talking to each other as well. You might want to say, "Hey, look, we're looking at using, let's say, you know, another dive site nearby, Temple of Doom or Joni's Joy." Mm. Hey, we're looking at heading over this way. How does that fit in with what you guys are doing? And
1: yeah, yeah, you know,
0: it's you know, you've you've just got to be grown ups about it, you know, and and just figure it out.
1: Yeah, yeah, Fair one. Mm. So, uh, what's your? You must have a favorite dive site out of that lot.
0: Oh, look, the easy pick up there is always going to be Steve's bombing. Um, have you been there?
1: I've not, no. I've. Um, of oh. my, what was it, four and a half years in, in Australia now, I've not once dived in Cairns yet. The one time that we came up oh, just wow. before pandemic was when it was uh, the wettest December re- recorded in history or something like that. We had nine days of just downpour. It was ridiculous.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah, so look Steve's bombier it's always an easy one um, I mean it's just reliably good mm. and it's and it's sort of one of those things that you know you could almost say that if, if something could be found on the Great Barrier Reef you've got a good chance of finding it there okay um, but I don't know I've got a I've got a soft spot for a, another dive site that's that's further up called Pixie's pinnacle um, it is literally just a, a small tower. You know, the bottom's not particularly deep. Um, and the top, you know, it's fairly shallow, but you often get really clear water out there. Um, and it's just, it's just a really pretty dive site. Um, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I just went there for the first time and thought, how beautiful is this? And, and yeah, and I just think it's a fantastic dive. So, you get so, much yeah. um, biodiversity there? Um, look. Not as much as Steve's bombing, um, I'd say. I mean, look—you still get a lot of cool stuff, a lot of nudie branks um, when you sort of hang out a bit deeper or away from the the pinnacle itself. You know, you'll see you know schools of barracuda, trevally. Um, you know, you can see some big grouper out there as well. Um, but it's when you really sort of tuck in and, and look at all the little nooks and crannies. You know, you you can find lots of pretty cool stuff. Um, you know, like the the electric clams. the you know the the flame shells that sort of thing, and yeah, uh, yeah it's uh, no, that it's, it's a beautiful spot.
1: I'm just having a quick look on the <laughs> pixies. I'll make a note of that one.
0: And yeah, the other cool thing as well that you know when you do these trips, and, and pixies Pinnacle's are a good example, is that you know when you are in the vicinity, you know, of that dive site. You know, it's not just that you've got this one site on its own. You know, you've you know you've got half a dozen within within a mile of each other. You know, it's um, yeah. So you've you've got quite a lot of options when it comes to trying to pick the right dive site based on conditions and tides and that sort of thing. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Mm. And right, what's the um, what's the seasons like? I mean, is there a particular time of year that you prefer for um, around your location?
0: Um. I think if you ask most locals up here um, about the best time of year, mm. you'd probably find most people would say October, November. Okay. Um, the weather is usually uh, fairly calm. Uh, you know, sunny days. Um, you know, the water's, <clears throat> you know, warming up a little bit. It's usually quite a lot of fish activity. Um, so it just ticks quite a few boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's a bit of a highlight, I mean, for us as well. Yeah, I mean, it shows how soft we are up here, but, you know, with the, the winters that we have, you know, we, we suffer through sort of the 22, 23 degree waters, you know, we, we get into October, November and we can get back into our three meals. you know, and (laughs) so... (laughs)
1: <laughs> i can't remember the last yeah. time i dived in a 3 mil wetsuit sydney water's <laughs> bloody freezing at the moment <laughs> yeah. yeah well we're um man i think i mentioned it the other day the missus and i are just legging it across to indonesia <laughs> next month and um yeah get a couple of weeks diving over there and not i wouldn't say it's particularly much warmer because um like Nusa panida there's three converging currents um but plenty of mantas to see, and you never know; might get lucky with a, yeah. the odd molar molar. Probably the That's wrong time, awesome. ti- wrong time of year for them, but uh, fingers crossed. Uh, and
0: uh, this thing in Galapagos—what's uh, what's happening there?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that was um, so. I, I planned the Galapagos expedition for October 2020, and then obviously the pandemic uh, years hit in and we had to cancel and push back and push back and push back and it's just kept on rolling and um you know i i hate the idea of of, of stressing the dive industry out but even more so customers and i hate the idea of you know booking vouchers for different trips and all that kind of stuff so master liverboys were really good work with them i've got a good couple of mates that work for them um a big shout out to alex um he's the man and um we just kept it rolling and my customers were patient um mm. and now it's rolled around so that we've got the booking for next year um mm. but of course we're two two and a half years on and a couple of people have had to drop out because of you know life changes because of pandemic years etc cetera, etc cetera. um it might even be the pandemic baby boom or something i don't know <laughs> um so there's a couple of spaces opened up so we're going to go next year yep it's just gone online now, um, and it's at a reduced price. It's not at this year's pricing. Um, it's almost the same as it was in 2020, and the people that are already going on the boat are outstandingly good fun people and great divers. Yeah. So really looking forward to that. And, um, you know, initially, Jazz, my missus, she wasn't going to come on the trip in 2020, mm. but having had two years of lockdown and us not being able to go anywhere, um, she's jumping on as well. So everyone who's coming on the boat has got the bonus of having my missus on the boat, who's just an absolutely outstanding lady. She's, she's lovely. <laughs> um, so really looking forward to that. And um, yeah. What's, what's it going to be seven, eight days or? It's um, seven days. Yeah. Or seven yeah. nights. Sorry. So we we'll leave on the 24th of July and then back on the 31st. And so it's,
0: when you originally planned it hmm. was Darwin's arch,
1: Still an (laughs) arch, yeah, yeah. We're going to go and see uh, Darwin's (laughs) Pillars now. Uh, (laughs) Unfortunately, yeah, that's uh, that's come down. But we were lucky enough to to see them back in two thousand eighteen when we were there. Um, Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's an exceptional, exceptional location in the world. I mean, it's it's bloody pricey, but yeah, I've dived a lot of locations. And, um, mm. the Galapagos is just, it's out there on its own and it's, you know, it's not yeah. stunning reefs and great visibility and all that kind of stuff, but the Antarctic waters that come up and the currents and the nutrients that are in there, it's, you see a whale shark in Thailand, it's two to four meters. You see a whale shark in a the Galapagos, they start at 10 meters. You know, they're, they're huge, um, hammerhead shoals are thousands upon thousands of hammerheads. Or just sitting in the in the waters and getting a good clean and and a uh, bit of sleep sometimes as well. Did you know hammerheads sleep on their side in the current? You'll see them listening no. over to one side and they close down one huh. side of the brain to go to sleep, and the other one stays awake to I keep did, control.
0: Yeah, I remember hearing that, that. Yeah, that well, no, not sharks. The dolphins, yeah, they they sleep one side of the brain at a time, but I didn't uh, know that about sharks. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. No, have you have you dived the Galapagos? No, it's it's you know, it's still one of the many places that, you know, have been on the list that I've I've never made it to. Um, and there was a a friend of mine that uh, you actually spoke to him a while ago, Marcus Blake.
1: Oh yeah. Um,
0: yeah, I've known Marcus for quite a long time. Hey Marcus. Um, <laughs> He's a good he uh, Yeah, he went there uh, where I think you met him in Komodo the, uh, the couple that own that resort as kind of like a, I don't know, some sort of wedding anniversary, I think, that they went to Galapagos and they invited Marcus and, and his girlfriend to go with them. yeah um, I, I think they were there for, well, overall I think they were there for about two or three weeks mm-hmm. and uh, and did something like a seven or eight day trip and, you know, and he got some pretty good photos out there as well just to kind of remind me that it's a place that I want to get to and, you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Um, you know, life's Maybe looking at calming down a little bit now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess yeah, try and be optimistic and think that we can start to make plans like that again.
1: You've got to, mate. I mean, it's um, mm. life is too short. You need to get everybody who's into diving that has some sort of experience needs to go to the Galapagos. It's as simple as that. Mm. It's um, yeah. it's phenomenal. Um, I think. I mean, there's locations in the world where you do negative entry and get out of current, all that kind of stuff, but. <coughs> there it's just a completely different style of diving you know you you bomb down latch on with a with a hook and it's it's not a it's a reef hook but it's not a a reef per se a lot of the um structure down there is um lava rock um Mm. so you know you latch on or nestle down behind boulders or uh, natural topography and just watch the show going off you know and you just sit there for as long as you can watching it and it's outstanding it's it's beautiful yeah and then to do the the uh hopping off the boat you know you always jump off the boat a couple of times and and head out onto one of the islands and it's like it's like walking in a different world it's um Mm. you know you could almost say you were on the moon if it wasn't for the blue sky and the oxygen you're breathing you know it's fantastic (laughs) um yeah it is it is it's it's just nothing else compares to it it really doesn't
0: yeah
1: i love the place and I'm so stoked that we're going back next year. I can't wait. Really can't wait.
0: Yeah, and it's cool, you know, where you said that, um, you know, you got a, a good bunch of people going. Is yeah. I guess that was another thing that happened, you know, with um, you know when we started up the idea of the dive expeditions. Is certainly on the first trip that we ran, you know, to the ribbons and the uh, the Minka trip that's coming up, and then uh, also the coral spawning trip that we're doing in November and. Already some of the other trips that we've got in the pipeline that we'll be, you know, sort of announcing probably in the next few weeks is it's, you know, it's more like, you know, Martin's Social Club, you know, it's
1: <laughs> basically,
0: a you know, and, and the way it worked out, it, it's been quite interesting too because, you know, over the last two years during COVID, um, it's been... You know, so amazing how, how Australians have, have supported, especially areas like, like this one up here that are, are so vulnerable because once tourism shut down, I mean, there was nothing else to fall back on. Mm. Um, you know, same as, you know, obviously other parts of Australia, but you know, we, we felt that pretty hard up here, but Australians, they still keep coming here, supporting the area. Um, and, and pre COVID, a lot of my market was not really domestic. Mm. Um, lots of Europeans, lots of Americans, um, and so now it, it kind of opened us or exposed us to this this whole new market here in, the, in Australia, and um, and basically once I sort of started throwing out the idea to a lot of these people about these trips, they're like, well yeah, we'll put us down for two spots and we'll do this one, we'll do this one, and so you know I almost filled all three of this year's trips without you know any real effort. You know it was uh, there was no no advertising for quite a long time, I just sort of quick phone call hey look we're doing minkies and journey you're coming Mm. uh can i ring you in five minutes i'll let you know yep there's four of us (laughs) yep cool done yeah you know and and so it's yeah it's it's awesome and then you know the thing that goes in with that is that um you know even though i knew most of these people or all of them in some cases that you know, they're then of course getting to meet each other and you know, and that's like, oh, you know, Martin's doing a trip to Osprey next year. Hey, you gonna go on that one? Yep, we're doing this one, okay, yeah, we'll see you then. And mm. you know, it's I guess it was you know, one of the driving factors behind starting scuba IQ is to become quite a sort of I guess can I put it maybe like a, a functioning part of the dive industry again. Yeah. That you know, you're you're driving that social side which is so important to, to this industry and you know, and, and it, it can get lost a little bit up here. Um, you know, with the, the bigger volumes, mm-hmm. it's just the nature of it. Um, so I guess we're we're trying to bring a bit more of that that kind of Thailand style. You know, within reason. Yeah. Um, you know, really. You know, you know, making friends with your divers, and you know, I mean, a lot of them by the time they've come back here for the second or third time, you know, they're round hours for barbecues, and <laughs> you know, and you know, and, and all sorts. You know, so it's. It's it's been really amazing, and it doesn't just feel like you have a business, you know, when when those things are going on.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the beauty of it. I mean, there's, I, I see it again. It's social media. Everyone's got an armchair warrior uh, in whatever group you're in, but I, I see people sometimes dissing agents and, and booking agents, etc. Um, but there's a, there's a real requirement um, for agents at times because if you want
0: mm. a
1: particular experience and you're going to spend four, five, six, seven, ten thousand dollars on a on a lifetime trip that you're only going to do maybe once in your life. You want it to be special. And you don't want Mm. um you, you don't want that one dickhead on the boat that spoils it for everyone. So if you've got an agent who is actually creating not only a great dive experience, but an environment on the boat or at the resort. That everybody is constantly enjoying and getting on with one another without the hassle yeah. of having, mm. you know, the armchair warrior on board, then it, it, it's worth paying for quite simply. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I've, I've been in experiences and situations where there's been one person on a boat that will just kill mm. the vibe for 25 other guests and it's horrible.
0: Yeah.
1: Horrible. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. You, you you're playing that hub of of providing everything and and creating not only a a dive adventure but a complete experience and i think it's invaluable it really is
0: yeah Uh, and i mean you know what we did before this last trip was uh you know because we left early in the morning everyone got to cairns you know the day day or two before and so i threw it out there a week or two before the trip left that hey look it looks like everyone's going to be in town um uh you know, how about we go and meet at uh, Hemingway's, which is, you know, a, a brewery down by the, uh, the the cruise line of port. Yeah. And, you know, and you know, and I sort of uh, – me and one of the other guys that was coming along with me on that trip, you know, he was sort of like, hey, weren't we supposed to be there at 5.30? And it was about 6 o'clock. And I was like, it's fine. Anyway, you know, we got there a bit late and, you know, and I said it to him later. I was like, well – that wasn't unintentional, you know. I, I didn't want to be there and then everyone just sort of wants to speak to me. You know, I'm going to be intentionally late so that they don't have a choice other than to interact with each other, you know. and Yeah. You know, and so I got there and they've all sort of started their own little conversations and, you know, they're away. So, yeah. you know, I, it's not that you want to be the, the focal point of that group. You're just kind of facilitating that, you know, that opportunity for them to meet each other and know each other.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's how I kind of operate when I'm, I'm doing nomadic scuba trips and we'll always aim to turn up at, 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 at the very outside the night before we move on to the boat or the resort or whatever, just to have that little gathering at the start, let people mm. get rested and over a bit of jet lag. And it works wonders. Yeah. And the Galapagos trip yeah. is a great example because, you know, we'll be – Rocking up two or three days before the boat leaves and having a couple of nights on San Cristobal so people can relax and have a chat, get to know each other and yeah. possibly get a hangover out the way before we go into the diving days. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. So, so where's I'm it, where's just, it going from yeah. here
1: then? Are you, are you growing the, the business or you're going to maintain at the levels you're at now?
0: Well, so scuba IQ, um, I mean, that's, you know, that is where it started and that will that will remain, Um, you know, it's it's still an important part of what we do. And, you know, like a lot of other people that, you know, once COVID came along and there was, you know, everyone's favourite word became pivot. um, I mean, to be honest, you know, through the first few months, the biggest question was, you know, in three months, six months, 12 months' time, will I still be a part of the dive industry or not? You know, that was... That that was actually the first question. It was not how I can I change my business. It was do I need to leave this business? Yeah. Um, and you know, not to to hang on to it, you know, with any sort of false pride or or anything like that. You know, just just be really be realistic about it. Um. So, you know, the the idea, you know, or the thing that a lot of people did, of course, was you know started online shops. Um, for a couple of, you know, reasons, that wasn't really an option for us. Um, and I guess so over time, it just became well, and I think I sort of said it to you when we spoke briefly the other day was what COVID really did for us was not sort of try and go, well, we need to diversify and, and cover lots of little bases and get little streams going all over the place. Let's actually just focus on what's good about what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and really focus on that, work on that, develop what that is or was. Because you also think that by the time you've been going three or four years, you've tried a few things. Some have worked, some haven't. And, you know, and because it's a flurry, you know, you can forget some of the things you did when you started, but you've, you've, you know, you've diverted away from those and you, it's, you know, a bit of a, a reset, I guess. Mm. Um, and I thought, okay, well, that's kind of getting all of our ducks in a row here. Now, what would be something that we could offer that, that could be really cool and that would be, you know, something of interest to the people that have already dived with us and maybe don't just want to come back and, you know, do the day trip again or, you know, they're not necessarily interested now that they're advanced open water. They're not they're not thinking about becoming rescue divers. They just want to do good diving. Mm. Um, and so, you know, the idea of the of the expeditions became, you know, it, w- it was, I guess, a fairly natural choice. Um yeah. And having, having the, the relationship with the boat, um, making that a fairly easy discussion, we're a good fit. And, and I guess just applying that same philosophy that we have with Scuba IQ, that it's going to be quite focused and specific. So we're not going to be doing weekly trips to the Ribbon Reefs. It's going to be this one here. It's going to be swimming with minkies. It's going to be coral spawning in November. And, you know, get the ball rolling with those. And then next year... Um, I can't say too much at the moment. Next year is going to be pretty amazing, I think, because mm-hmm. um, we're going to start going further afield, um, and uh, yeah, it's you know we're not we're not trying to be all things to all people. It's like well, these are what our divers are kind of saying that they want to do, or would like to do. Yeah. So let's let's do that.
1: Are you going to do them like um, full boat charters?
0: Well, that these are all full boat charters. Nice. Yeah. So. So we say to the boat, um, "Hey, look, coral spawning ideal dates because of the full moon would be here to here. Mm. Are you available?" And they go, "Yes." We go right, okay, we'll book it. Yeah. So we, you know, we we uh, arrange the charter, and then we, yeah, sell the tickets.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. So the, so the boat the boat is ours.
1: Yeah, it's a. Yeah. Do you remember your first one when the first time you actually uh, booked an entire boat?
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. it's quite frightening yes. when you see that invoice come through isn't it <laughs>
0: yeah it was um i mean the, the one we did in april was the first one we had done you know with these dive expeditions um when i was in spain though i had like a little kind of uh offshoot because where i was um uh i spent a lot of time around sort of ibiza mallorca minorca Know there's a lot of super yachts that go through there, yeah. Um, and so you know, some of them would be contacting your dive center to say, Hey, our boss or our guests would love to go for a day of diving. Can we come in and pick up one of your instructors? And then they take us out diving for the day. Yeah. So you're getting, you know, quite a lot of work being subcontracted um, by the super yacht industry. Um, and then after a while, I was like, Well, there's a couple of yachts here that are pretty cool, they're well set up for diving. I'm going to speak to them and yeah, I mean, I was, you know, sort of in my mid-twenties and, you know, at that time barely scraping by on English, you know, and, uh, you know, it was, yeah, like you say, you get that invoice and uh, there it is, you know, the tens and thousands of euros for a day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it's – but that it's, you know, and that's why I guess before you then do those things – you know, you've got to think that you've got a very, very good chance of pulling it off. Yeah. You know, it can't just be caution to the wind and, you know, and to hell with it. Hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So, no, we are just dive instructors at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's it. We now <laughs> need to find those youngsters that can do all the uh, all the good stuff and promote it properly.
0: Yeah. So, apart from Galapagos, what's, uh, what's the plan? You're... Got some other trips coming up or um
1: I keep I keep having people ask me that. At the moment what we're doing or what I'm doing is um much like you hinted at earlier on, when when COVID hit, um, how the hell do you keep hold of being in the dive industry and you know, nomadic scoop my booking agency just literally had nothing coming through. So I think I took the the right option in putting a curtain over the website so that there was no bookings coming through, wouldn't have to deal with you know reservations and deposits that were then getting held by the operators cuz half of them were going out of business or god knows what else so yeah. that's been closed off for over 2 years now um and in that time period I picked up a, a day job so I was working proper proper stuff um rather than oh. dreaming about diving and um 6 weeks ago um I I took the plunge jumped away from that job and and back into nomadic scuba of the time. So at the moment, I'm working Mm. from home. We're having to update the website um, because, albeit it was all singing and all dancing, ready to go, two years later, it's a bit outdated. So I'm struggling through WordPress and all that other crap that you need to do to get it up to speed. Um, And then we'll raise the uh, curtain and get back to booking people's holidays and creating expeditions. I've got several... Um, mates of mine that have been, uh, working in the dive industry that are super keen to go out and start leading expeditions themselves oh. as well. So we'll, we'll get that ball rolling, uh, yep. coupled in with this podcast and, you know, a cheeky little trip to Indonesia to possibly, possibly buy a dive center. So quite a lot going on right now. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So Scuba yeah, Goat awesome. might have a little home in Indonesia at some point.
0: Wow. Yeah,
1: we'll see. We'll- yeah, because I mean
0: that was um that was why you know I first got in touch was because I think through the podcast you mentioned about the the travel agency Nomadic Scuba and I thought okay well might be interested in what we're doing. Yeah, for and sure. you said well that's yeah and uh, you know as you know like when when you're small I guess it's it's one of the advantages we have is that we can be quite agile. Yeah, but you've you've got to allow yourself to be agile, um, and you know, and you know, pick pick carefully who you would like to work with. Mm. Well, know, I, I, the would, thing that
1: I did when I started—sorry to interject there—but the, the thing I I did as soon as I decided I'm going for it, I was, I was leaving Papua New Guinea. I'd already thought about doing the Maddox scuba, and then jumped back into Thailand for a season. I thought, right, we're going for this. I need to see. The locations that I'm advertising. The last thing I want to do is advertise a location for someone to spend a lot of money on, and then come back to me very disappointed. That would just I, it would eat, eat me alive. So I spent a lot of money, and it was it was a good jolly. Uh, I spent a lot of money traveling to different locations and just diving mm-hmm. at resorts and liverboards, all that kind of stuff, just so I could experience it myself yep. and talk with experience to potential customers. Um, now I'm, you know, comfortably in that position where I can select who I'm going to advertise and those that I don't know, I'll aim to go and see. Um, and it sounds like all all I'm doing is building a, a little empire so I can go traveling and go diving. Well, effectively I am. But moreover, my little booster is being able to get, um, customers to operators doors yourself, for example. Um, I'd be super keen to advertise your expeditions and get money rolling through your door and keep the industry alive and, um, do it in a, in a community feel way rather than just a corporate way, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The kickback is, you know, I have to take some sort of wage out of it so I can live and survive, but yeah. you know, that's, that's business. Um, yeah. but if I can, if I can make people happy and, and, put back into the dive industry what it's given to me. I'm yeah. all for it. 100%. Yeah. That's no, awesome. Mm.
0: Yeah. That's no, awesome.
1: So um yeah, not dive Cairns yet, so I might be coming up on, up to you for uh, a little <laughs> trip on MV Argo.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. Let me know. Yeah. yeah if it's not this year, uh, you know, it was um you no, know, we're, we're trying to be pretty careful this year, mm. just the three trips. Um, but, uh, yeah, as you said, those invoices, I didn't want one of those rolling into my inbox every couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Played it safe, but yeah, next year's, next year's looking like it could be, yeah, pretty cool.
1: Yeah. JFDI, mate, just fucking do it. Um, yeah. You're in one of the best locations in the world for diving. Everybody wants to go to the, di- the Great Barrier Reef. Doors are open yep. up again. Do it. Do it. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. 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 Because I think um, one of the things that I guess gave me even a bit more optimism was uh, a good friend of mine in uh, San Diego. He was saying that, you know, a lot of his friends who had, you know, XYZ travel plans before COVID um, that then weren't able to get away, you know, they'd been planning to go to you know, various parts of the world, various exotic locations but now a lot of them have changed their tune and they're like well we're still going to go away but we're going to go to New Zealand or Australia now because if if things you know if things go to gravy again and we have and we get stuck somewhere let's get stuck in Australia or <laughs> New Zealand you know somewhere that's you know relatively civilized and uh, you know we'll, we'll look after us so
1: yeah
0: um yeah, so that that was quite interesting to hear that as well. That I guess just the way that people's approach or mentality around around travels you know, going to be different for quite a while, I'd say.
1: Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I, I've recently come back from Thailand, and um, that was the first trip since the uh, pandemic hit. And just jumping through the hoops to get into the country and get back um, mm. was—I mean, it's quite smooth now. And you can see how it was just getting better and better. Um, but it was a, a bit of a pain in the ass to figure out and, and organize. Mm. Um, and the, the main thing there is the, um, the insurance side of things, you know,
0: mm.
1: countries can impose their own restrictions. And like Thailand did, it said you have to provide proof of 20,000 US dollars, um, cover just for any COVID infection. That's beyond anything else on your travel. Um, Wow. And your and your dive insurance, etc. So it's going to be a pain in the ass, and there's going to be reluctance for people mm. to take the risk. But at the same side of the coin, those those locations that haven't been dive for so many years um, are now primed because it's not had the the common regular disruption of many divers in the water. Mm. Um, and I know we mentioned Kotel earlier on. I did pop back to Kotel for a few days and did a couple of dives with my mate. And I was actually suitably impressed in the volume of, of fish uh, in comparison to what I remember. Um, yeah. So I can only imagine that, you know, the barrier reef itself is probably going to be, you know, um, much the same. Uh, yeah. Had a little bit of time to regenerate and recoup.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, Thailand's definitely on our. On our list, you know, we're trying to get there in the next couple of years if we can. It's um,
1: oh, just, to, just to go back and uh, have a look at changes?
0: <laughs> well, um, I don't know. Well, to be honest, one of the big ones will be, hopefully in a couple of years, my daughter will be old enough to get certified. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we'd love to take her to the Simulans.
1: Oh, mate, um, yeah. No, listen, Hey, tell you what, seriously – if you want to go to the Similans and you want to, you could even plan in your own little Scuba IQ expedition. I'll mm. hook you up. Um, yep. A very good mate of mine, Steve Vessel, uh, crazy Dutchman. He's the owner of <laughs> um, The Junk, uh, which was oh, yeah. on the, the James Bond movies, and The Phinnessy. And his team that on The Junk and The Phinnessy are just outstanding individuals. I loved a lot of them. So yep. um, as and when she's old enough and ready to dive, you can take her there mm. and Plan an expedition, I'll hook you guys up and you can you can have a dream there. on those boats. It's, it's really there. good, really good.
0: Yeah, because that, that's actually been one of the locations where, you know, once i have been over there and, and got to see what it was like for myself, um, especially then coming here and, you know, a lot of people that make it to Cairns or, or the Great Barrier Reef early in their career, they, a lot of them tend to stay here mm. um, and they... And, that, and they punch out quite lengthy careers, you know, because it's one of the locations in the world as a dive instructor, you're you're paid well, um, generally. Yeah. Um, you've got good job security as long as there are no pandemics. Um, and, you know, so people are, are really building their lives here off the back of being a dive instructor, you know, buying houses and, you know, and all of these sorts of things that normal people get to do that when you're an instructor in Thailand, I mean, that's the furthest thing from your mind. Um, and I sort of say to a lot of them, especially the younger ones, like, hey, I mean, you can always come back here. You know, you're an Aussie, you're a Kiwi, you can always come and work here. Mm. Go to Kowlak, go and work a six-month season on the Simulans. Like, just go and see another side of this industry, have fun. You'll save a bit of money because you're on a liverboard, yep. um, And, you know get a bit of experience teaching courses, you know, get some variety in what you're doing, you know, because, you know, as you know, people burn out. Yeah. Um, they get, you know, you get jaded. And I guess, you know, that was, I mean, I I had that when I was in the Mediterranean. I burnt out, you know, after my first couple of years um, and took a year off and just, I left my dive gear at my sister's house in England and said, if I if I come back and want my dive gear or I call you and want you to send it to me, don't, (laughs) like I just, I, I don't want to see my dive gear for a couple of years. I just need to go and think about this. Um, and, uh, you know, it took some time out and, uh, thought, okay, I think I'm ready to give it another go. And, uh, and, you know, and and didn't look back since, you know, I haven't had a break since then. That was, you know, 2000 and 2008, Mm -hmm. um, was after I took a year off. So, you know, it's yeah, you know, it's I guess it's one of the running jokes as well up here over the years as oh, you know Thailand instructors. But I mean, I would honestly say that some of the best instructors I've ever known or worked with have been in Thailand. Yeah, yeah. You know, without a, without a doubt.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like you say. I mean, it's it, it's one of those things that gets pointed out: Thailand and Honduras, where you know a lot of people go. <laughs> when they're young, um, to do their initial scuba diving training because it's cheap, it's 30-degree water, there's beer on tap, there's chicks in bikinis, there's parties. You know, it's it's got all the attraction of tourism and excitement. So, yes, there are a lot of people that go and dive in those locations. And a lot of people can say that they're factories. I, I would kind of agree with that. However, you can't diss an instructor for being – Good enough to teach six people proficiently and arguably better than people that have had a career where they've taught one on one for the last 10 years. You oh. need your wits about you if you're going to teach six people open water and do it confidently, competently and safely. So yeah. I would, I would, like you said, I would urge young dive pros use Thailand, use Honduras, use these locations that have oh. cheap diving. And go and ex- uh, go and experience it for yourselves. Have fun and gain the experience that you get from someone who can really teach big groups yeah. at such a low level. It's it's it just makes the rest of your dive career relatively simple. It's mm. uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a big tick in my box. I'd, I'd never push someone away that came looking for a job if they've been working in Thailand or Honduras in these nah. big industries. It's. Nah. Um, you can multitask if you can do that underwater it's fantastic
0: yeah 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 and i mean it's like um you know the the guy you're talking to last week he said that you know being a diver instructor you basically become very good at organizing a lot of things at the last minute yeah um and you know but again somewhere like thailand that is where you get that you know it's you might go into the shop in the morning it's like hey the guys are in the classroom they're watching video one uh they've done the paperwork but they're yours. Oh, okay. Yeah, no worries. But once you've been there for long enough, you know, getting told that first thing in the morning, it's it's not like, a, oh, what do I do? It's a, oh, this will be awesome. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah you know, it becomes it's... second nature. It really does. Yeah, You know, and you get up in the morning excited to go to work because you know you've got work and you know that it's going to be good fun. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I loved every minute I was in Thailand, and I love yeah. every minute I go back to Thailand. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's my second home for sure.
0: And, yeah, and yeah it was cool that, um, you know, where I've I seen that you – well, I've listened to you talking to other people that I know, like Libby, um, you know, Marcus. I um, uh, can't remember who else you've spoken to, I'm trying to think. But uh, I think you've had about four or five people on here before that uh, that I know, some of them quite well, especially Marcus. Yeah. Um, again, he's... Marcus from, from Thailand. Yeah. He um, he was doing his Diet master with – um, an instructor I worked with. That was, what, 2000 and 2011, I think. Okay. Marcus did his dive master, and then I think he had a couple of years out before he, he moved back to Thailand, sort of 2014 or 2015, something
1: like that. And Yeah, yeah. Yeah, carried on. I, well, I met him, oh, was it 2018? Yeah, I think 2018, 2019, 2019, I think. I took an expedition to um, Komodo Dive Resort uh Komeda Resort and dive, dive Club. And he was the um dive ops manager there with Flow. And we had a fantastic time. Mm. And he's he's now doing quite all right for himself. He's picked up a job with um Yeah. Um what was it, Snorkel Venture? Uh and he's just just come off a boat in French Polynesia, jammy bugger.
0: That's not a bad He's, he's had a rough ride
1: the last few years <laughs> rough ride he's, he's gone home played with his motorbikes and then picked up a nice job he's done alright <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but,
0: uh, but no, good on mm. and that's you know and that's what the dive industry is you know you, there are a lot of opportunities that, that you don't realise have been in front of you or you know opportunities you've turned down and you know and, and I guess that's one of the things that I would say, you know, over the years when I've taught dive master courses or assisted on IDCs is that, you know, almost our biggest problem is that we have too many options. Yeah. You know, but it's it takes some work to be able to, you know, take advantage of some of them. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, yeah, there are, there are so many things you can do with your career in the dive industry
1: yeah and then you can work your way up to dizzy heights of organizing expeditions in the great <laughs> barrier reef <laughs> yeah
0: heavy lies the crown
1: yeah hey are you still i noticed um we're not even touched on it but do you are you still doing the the dive courses or is the liverboard starting to take a main front row seat
0: no no so we we still teach courses um We're a dual agency, so uh, predominantly PADI. Yeah. We also teach SDI, uh, TDI. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, that's sort of coming through more and more. Uh, And Scrooge IQ has been built really on teaching courses. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was one of the things, if not the thing that, you know, when I was starting the business that, you know, I wanted to get away from, you know, just guiding and doing intros, you know, which is the main thing done on the boats here, um, you know, get back to teaching again. Yeah. Um, so a lot of open water courses, um, you know, and, and all the others as well. Over the first few years, um, you know, there were some, you know, sort of younger locals that were coming through and, you know, we did their dive master courses, that sort of thing. Um so the courses are still a really important part. You know, it's one of the things that I like to do the most, so that's not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so that's – yeah, that that keeps going, and the expeditions are now are sort of a – I guess in some regards, the a separate thing.
1: Yeah. Do you want to – would you like another string to your bow?
0: <laughs> What's that?
1: Do you want to do raid as well?
0: <laughs> well – uh, it came up I mean I, I've you know I'm an instructor for a few different agencies although actively only for for SDI TDI and uh, and yeah.
1: Um
0: there was um, I haven't seen him for a while there's a guy up here it was a great representative
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, I don't know if he does all of Australia Steve Bates yeah he does uh, but I think he's because he's got he's actually got a, another very successful business down in cairns um a uh, a printing agency. Mm-hmm. Uh so they do like our logbooks and mass tamers and all the other bits and pieces for us, you know, uniforms. Um so yeah, it did it did come up a few years ago and um, you know, it's it's bouncing around in there. I would but, do it,
1: mate. Uh, I would do it. It's mm. um I mean you look back way back season one I think it was we had Paul Toomer on, uh president of the raid. Yeah. Good mate of mine um but they're they're now as long as you certify five people a year, whatever level then there's oh. there's no pro fees there's no dive center fees, nothing, so you can actually deliver and it's all online as well it's all digital so and i'm I'm a big advocate for raid when I mean, i'm I'm padding s s i as well but I think the way that that raid teaches and when it's done well it's a fantastic teaching stuff it yeah. really is but um yeah yeah. Well, if you know Steve, I would, I would urge you to get back in touch with him and mm. uh, have a little chat. Be yeah. well worth it. I guess it.
0: it's sort of um, the idea you know, re-emerged when uh, you spoke to Ryan uh, Duchatel a mm-hmm. while ago. Yeah. And, I mean, probably to do with, with RAID, but also I'd say, you know, their own sort of core values and principles when it comes to teaching. But, you know, they like to teach the smaller numbers and, and that sort of thing. So very similar to what we do here, you know, is mm. – So, for example, an open water course, um, the most that I'll take on my own now will be three. Mm -hmm. And if if it's, let's say, a family of five, I bring another instructor in.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, so just to try and break it down even a bit more. Um, You know, so, you know, it was quite interesting listening to them and it's kind of, well, that kind of sounds a little bit like what we are or or what we do as well. So, Mm. you know, it's, yeah. Um, But like I say that, you know, there might even be, you know, part of that, you know, turn to, to what RAID's sort of principles and philosophies are behind, behind you know, good teaching. and Yeah. You know, because that's, you know, <laughs> it's one thing i said a, a number of times over the years, especially on IDCs, was that, you know, even though when you first become an instructor, you know, we're, we all do it because we don't have any other way really at that stage. But when you teach a course, it's, it's quite mechanical. Yeah. You know it's you know you're going through the slates you're checking everything off and you know you sort of get to the point that's what I said to these candidates on a number of times was that the aim isn't just to teach a course it's to train divers you know and so don't be sort of too indoctrinated or don't be so caught up in in the in the detail just think about what it is you're really trying to achieve by doing this and Mm. You know, don't get too carried away with trying to show how much you know, or you know, these. You're just trying to give this person the skills that they can go away and dive without you there telling them what to do. Yeah, you know, and um, you know, it's yeah, it's a bit more about about the function of it, you know, rather than you know the form.
1: Exactly. It's it's one of the things that I get asked so often. Is you know, should I use Paddy SSI, RAID, now we see YMCA, whatever. Who do I, who do I train under? And generally it comes from, you know, newbies, um, inquisitive people. Um, and st- we've got to point out that, you know, if people come in new into the industry, that unknowing, they don't know. So they're looking for that advice. And my advice would always be, it doesn't matter which agency you're te- you're learning under. What is important oh. is the person that's delivering that information because that person can be the most experienced diver in the world if they can't deliver information so that it reta- it it retained then it's a pointless task it's a, it, yeah. it'll be a shit course <laughs> so okay. your you, your first value is the instructor that's delivering the information and whether it's information you can retain beyond that i think the the agencies are all much the same they're delivering um not instruction but recommendations on, on how to teach these basic skills to, mm. um, you know, to the, the, the recipient. And yeah. I think the, the bond between the agencies and the instructor is where the differences come in when you're looking at the different, um, agencies. And what I mean by that is that I might be able to teach in a raid format better than I do a paddy format, and you might be able to teach vice versa. So depending on what our student wants to learn will depend on which instructor will be able to deliver that in the fashion that they retain the information. Yeah. So that was a very long-winded way of, of saying it doesn't really matter about agencies. It's more about the person that's <laughs> yeah. teaching. Um, yeah. But, there, and, and, but going on from that, the only other time that I would recommend people to start really looking at which agency they're using to learn under is when they're looking to become a dive professional, dive master and above. Do they want to be working in America? In which case the obvious thing would be that they'd be better off being paddy because there's more paddy dive centers over there.
0: Yeah. Do I mean, I nearly ended up as a, as a Naoi instructor because of that because we had a bit more presence in New Zealand in the early 2000s.
1: Yeah, yeah. A perfect example.
0: Yeah. But yeah. Sorry, I totally cut you off there. That's all right. That's but, all right. You need to <laughs>
1: sometimes, otherwise, I'll just keep on, keep on going. But yeah, um, jump on the raid bandwagon, mate. It's well worth it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Yes, I mean it's uh, you know you end up in some situations. You know, I mean not just in courses, but you know, let's say you've you've got some divers for the day, and they might ask you a question. And I mean, you try not to sound dismissive or, or like you're being blasé, but they might ask you about something. It might be like their buddy checks and uh, you know, it's, it's almost to the point that you say, look, if, if you consider the fact that each of the organizations, you know, they don't agree on the sequence that should be used, but they do agree on what should be done. Yes. So, so it's not like I can impose, you know, any sort of particular, you know, idea onto you. All I care about is that they're done. Yeah. You know, I don't, it doesn't matter to me how you do them, but, Find a, a way that that you prefer or that is easy to remember, and just do it that way every time.
1: Have you got emails coming through or something? Because it keeps pinging.
0: <laughs> yes, I there's something going on. I'm not sure what it is. Do you know? Do you remember? My- do
1: you remember what I said the other day? <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> that's I a think- crate of beer, my man. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so no, but but like you say, it's a, it's a good point, you know. Find the right instructor rather
1: than look for the agency. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, it's a, uh, if you rock up somewhere and you're not really liking the, the person that stood in front of you for whatever reason, um, or just feel a little bit uncomfortable, then it's probably not the right place to be. Find someone that you're comfortable with and, uh, yeah. and go from there. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for coming on. Yeah.
0: Thanks
1: for having me. No worries. And, um, Everyone that's listening out there, get in touch with Scuba IQ if you want to hit the Great Barrier Reef and, and get on board and have a lot of fun. Thanks for listening now. Bye, everybody.
0: This is Scuba Go Go, the podcast for the inquisitive diver.